0: Hey, you're listening to the Center Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and so want to make him the center of our lives, our community, and our world. We're gonna learn how to do that right now as we sit down and unpack Sunday's sermon. Alright. And we're back. <laughs> After a bit of a hiatus. <laughs> After a little hiatus, yeah. your boys are back. Mitch. How are you doing? You're looking you're looking refreshed. You're looking rejuvenated. Ref- <laughs> 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 Restored. after like, a
1: couple of weeks of sickness. Yeah. 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 Good.
0: F- full full bill of health. Yeah. <laughs> So good. Yeah. No, it was uh, quite a quite a special Sunday that we we're able to have, soaking yeah. in the rays at the back after church. Yeah, it was a fantastic service. Yeah, no, it was a lot Education. of fun, and I think, uh, yeah, always always fun to have lots of visitors at church, yeah. which is kind of very exciting. So we um, have kind of making up for a few weeks of banter that we've missed. Um, but what's been happening? Let's let's catch people up. What's what's been happening since uh, last time? <laughs> No. Since last banter,
1: oh, I was pretty sick that week, yeah. Just stayed in bed, yeah, didn't do a whole lot, yeah. And even that second week I was sort of here, but not here, yeah. <laughs> Felt like a zombie, so no, for yeah, sure. Now this week I actually feel like human again, yeah. <laughs> that nice feeling of not having to like drug yourself up to so like, good. You know, get out of bed, yeah, so, yeah. That's probably really it. I feel like it's just life's a bit like Groundhog Day, mm. just sleep, wake up dress children yeah. feed children
0: yeah but you're back
1: and then here yeah that's kind of you asked me that was that's kind of like yeah my memories of the last couple of weeks how about
0: you <laughs> yeah no it's been it been a busy week with uh yeah what, what have I been doing a blur blur is probably an accurate description no it's just been a, a busy time but you know I think in all of that there's been a just reminder that when I am weak God is strong in mm. <laughs> relying on him um trying to even think of something fun to share yes yeah. so, so intense no look it's been um tidied up the office oh, there used yeah, to be a box. bunch of bunch of boxes there here you go. did that I don't know it's very very revelatory uh, things but no it's kind of nice had uh, two sermons in one week last week we did, which was yeah. a bit of fun so it's uh, one of those things where uh, having multiple sermons floating around your head at the same time it's uh something that i know that in your previous role you had to do yeah. all the time
1: yeah i don't miss those days actually
0: you do or I you don't no, don't. <laughs> don't. Yeah, yeah yeah no look it is um i think one sermon floating around your head at a time is is more than yeah. enough yeah <laughs> so
1: it's gonna be um yeah could get the old brain back into gear for t- today's conversation yeah That's go to... was two weeks ago and two I, was weeks pretty, quite... I was actually pretty crook up on stage yeah i was like sweat at the end i was like sweating i was like oh man
0: I'm yeah i just got to get
1: through this the lord carried you through Dude, <laughs> you didn't did. carry that bucket through though <laughs> no,
0: you <laughs> felt the same way that bucket looked yeah, by the end of it
1: I'm lucky you didn't kill anyone <laughs> that's F- all right for those who don't know as part of uh jeremiah 51 i reenacted um Zariah, tying the scroll of Jer like jeremiah's prophecy into a rock and throwing it in the euphrates and i <laughs> cracked the bucket <laughs> i used and put water all over the stage it's quite memorable
0: yeah look i don't think people will forget it
1: anytime no, no, soon yeah. <laughs> probably people won't let, let me off the hook now i won't trust me with buckets or rocks
0: or you know any more props there's a beautiful little patch on our stage now that's really clean though <laughs> the people got um, a bunch of towels yeah, after and oh. had to soak it all up so it's also highlighted how dusty our stage yeah, is yes. it probably needs a, a more thorough mopping yes, but so. It's yeah. all right. Lord got us through. It <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, no one got electrocuted. That was amazing. No one got electrocuted. <laughs> so we um, are going into this sort of scroll prophetic act mm. today. It's a weird one. And just to sort of refresh people's minds, it's um, this moment in Jeremiah where um, it's, it's a bit of a confusing sign. Can you explain it, it to us a bit?
1: Yeah, It is very confusing. So this happens... Um, in the I've just got it here, in the fourth year of Zedekiah's reign. So chronologically this is about five hundred and ninety-three, five hundred and ninety-four BC. Mm. So um, Israel was exiled in five eighty-seven. Mm. So it's probably another yeah, seven years before that happened. But Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo have already gone to Babylon mm. and are living there. Mm. And so what people what commentators kind of piece together is when jeremiah was had the yoke and walking mm-hmm. around and telling him submit to the yoke of babylon and when he was talking to all those nations there was seems to be that they were there planning a revolt against babylon mm. let's get all these smaller nations together form an alliance and try to overthrow babylon mm. and so that all kind of fell apart obviously babylon's mm. still the top dog and it seems that like nebuchadnezzar had a please explain Zedekiah because Zedekiah was placed there as a puppet king by Nebuchadnezzar, mm-hmm. sort of a please explain what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so Jeremiah uses this as an opportunity um, and says here in Jeremiah 51 from verse 59, this is the message that the, Jeremiah gave to the staff officer, Zariah son of Neriah, the son of anyway, who is um, Baruch's brother. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it so just a
0: reminder, Baruch is... The
1: personal scribe of Jeremiah. Cool. So he helps Jeremiah write quite a lot. There's a bit of a theory that it's Baruch who probably collected all of these scrolls. And so, yeah, Zariah's staff officer, it's a, it's a kind of a tricky word in Hebrew to translate, but they reckon it means something like, like a, to get the accommodation. for. So he'd go ahead hmm. and sort of prepare the accommodation for the king and the officials. Nice job. Yeah, niche job. So... <laughs> Anyway, so it's actually, it's Uriah who reads out these words in Jeremiah fifty and fifty-one, mm-hmm. which is pretty intense. Like mm-hmm. it talks about this destruction of Babylon, and so chronologically, in the it happens at the same time as Jeremiah is walking around with the yoke, like in sure. the same kind of you know few months or a year, yep. walk yep. around saying submit to Babylon. At the same time, he's talking about how Babylon's going to be destroyed. But in terms of as the reader, it's the final prophecy, mm-hmm. sort of a great way to kind of finish the words of Jeremiah. It's a reminder that Babylon's not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Zariah reads out this um, prophecy about the destruction of Babylon and all kind of the doom and gloom that's going to happen to it. Then he yeah, gets the scroll, which is really interesting about how the word of God and scrolls and like how they must have had a second scroll, obviously for us to have evidence of this. And he ties it to the rock and throws it in the Euphrates. And yeah, and I'll read out here. He goes, um, yeah, this is is from verse 61. It says, and he said to Zariah, when you get to Babylon, see that you read all these words aloud, then say, Lord, you have said that you will destroy this place that neither people nor animals will live in it it will be desolate forever. When you finish reading the scroll, tie a stone to it, throw it into the Euphrates and say, so will Babylon sink to rise no more because of the disaster I will bring on her and her people will fall. Mm. And so very powerful image, particularly for those that went out in the first exile mm-hmm. in 597, mm-hmm. of knowing, okay, well, Babylon's not going to last forever. That God's, um, I should use the language here, Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, isn't like powerless. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of the prophecy in chapter 50, it talks about Bel and kind of being brought low. and like These are the gods of um, Babylon because mm-hmm. there was a belief that every empire had its own god mm-hmm. and the supremacy of the Babylonian gods. It's like, no, 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 it's actually Yahweh who's in control. Babylon is just a tool. Mm-hmm. And so it's a reminder there for people that are being dislocated and thinking that, oh well, Yahweh's promises haven't come true. Here we are stuck in Babylon. That well, actually no, Babylon is going to be destroyed. And th- this is this is interesting. This language because as we know historically in 539, when Cyrus dammed up the Euphrates and snuck in through the impregnable city. Yeah, Yeah. It wasn't destroyed. <laughs> Cyrus says there's like it's probably, I don't know if he said this exactly, but I found some historian mm. which said something along the lines of so I was like, This city is too beautiful to destroy. He mm. kind of kept it, which ties in with Daniel, like Daniel mm. from the book of Daniel. Mm. He was there as a you know, whatever he was, chief advisor to Nebuchadnezzar. And then we learn about Darius the Mede, so that's the shift. Mm. And he's there when Belshazzar. And the writing on the wall, so yeah. that sort of does correlate with what the Bible says. What historian says that Cyrus, the king of Persia, didn't destroy Babylon. So it's sort of it's interesting this prophetic language of this city being annihilated and no animals or people living there, and mm. the like how the Bible sometimes will use metaphorical language mm. to get a point across. And so mm. it's not lying, but mm. it's a way to yeah highlight what God's going to do. So yeah. So Jeremiah is just so interesting from a nerdy Bible point of view of how the Word of God's transmitted, how mm. scrolls are treated. It's, yeah. Yeah, we we're talking off just before like how Jehoi, Jehoiakim was burning like the scroll of Jeremiah yeah. and Baruch rewrites it again. And yeah. like even this scroll, it gets thrown into the Euphrates. Obviously, there are all these copies and it's been compiled yeah. together yeah. by someone, probably not Jeremiah, probably Baruch. Mm into the format of jeremiah we have today so
0: yeah it's interesting it's sort of like for me um makes me view scrolls through this context more as a tool in a tool belt than uh precious painting that should be kept in a gallery Mm. and I think it's a really fascinating way to sort of be thinking of God's word and scripture and scrolls that they're these very real sort of tactile things that are meant to be sort of interacted with and mm. and sweat it over, and maybe have coffee stains on, and this kind of thing. That it's yeah. not, you know, the the word of God. Um, yes, is divine, mm. and holy, and should be treated with reverence. Mm. But the very pages that they're written on are just dead trees. and squid ink well i don't know i don't know what ink they're using but yeah yeah, this idea that i think a reverence for god's word is the correct posture Mm. but having some special reverence. and we've spoken about this before in the way that a muslim would have you know not put a quran on Mm. the ground um this idea of how it is used and interpreted to be burnt up or wrapped around a rock and thrown into the water is a somewhat challenging notion for me yeah. um, and i'm sure for many people listening to the way that they engage with these scrolls yeah, like the
1: idea of even throwing a bible in the bin you know like, oh that's a bit sacrilegious and here's and so hey, I chuck this scroll into the river yeah, and, and, yeah. So, and then yeah it's i have to find the exact passage but it's in jeremiah 40 I think 46 where someone else goes to egypt and buries the scroll as a way yeah. to show that egypt's going to get wiped out 'Cause mm. that was another issue that was faced was the Jews were looking to Egypt for salvation and Jeremiah's like, No, 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 Babylon's where you gotta go, not mm. Egypt. So mm. yeah, it is just really fascinating of how and even just how like for us, if well most of us read our Bibles on our phone now. Yeah. So you just keep scrolling, it seems like one continuous book.
0: Yeah. But yeah. You could, you could almost say a scroll. Scroll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah,
1: like how there's like different scrolls that were yeah. So anyway that's all it is super interesting and
0: so and yeah i think that obviously this act it's not sort of a um a reverent act on Mm. the word of god itself when jeremiah is doing it it is almost that curse (laughs) that is being wrapped around a stone Mm. that's sort of to represent babylon and being thrown in the euphrates um I, i think a lot of people kind of would already understand maybe the correlation here But can you speak a little, again, into the Euphrates and what the relevance was for that and why maybe Jeremiah chose that body of water to help the scroll into? So,
1: as a city, Babylon was considered impregnable. Mm. Um, Nebuchadnezzar, he... So, Babylon as an empire had been around for a very, very long time. Sure. In fact, from the time of the Tower of Babel. Yeah. I mentioned that in Hebrew, we we differentiate in English, so we know what you're talking about, but Babylon is exactly the same bubble in Hebrew, so... Mm. Um, but Nebuchadnezzar led this, I guess, revitalization of the city. Sure. He made it, um, yeah, one of the, I think, seventh wonder of the ancient world. He built yeah. these hanging gardens. And mm. so part of the city, the Euphrates actually flowed through the city. Mm. And so it had these giant grates that went down into like the bedrock of the mm. river. And so these could be open and closed as needed to be. And so what that meant, unlike a lot of other cities, was that when... Um, Cyrus's army surrounded them. It was on some I can't remember what what God it was, it was, he might have been to Mardoch. it was a celebration of like Mardoch or one of their gods sure. and they're like, eh whatever Cyrus can't touch us basically. Mm. Even Cyrus himself admitted like this city like no arrow it can destroy us this is impregnable. It's got yeah. like three layers of walls. Once yeah. you shut those gates to the Euphrates, you can't get in. And so yeah, that was the significance of the Euphrates was that. Yet flowed through the city offered life, it meant they could water like crops within the city, it meant they had yeah, drinking yeah. water. So it was their protection, it was yeah, their life, it was, it was yeah. just everything. And so, had a city that's what made it unique. A lot of others is like, Well, doesn't matter how big your army is, man, you're not coming through yeah. these walls. And so, that's what's so fascinating about Cyrus by actually blocking damming the Euphrates, walking through like they said it yeah. was about waist height, so they could sure. walk through those grates that were yeah, yeah. shut and then. Yeah, take the city without a shot being fired, basically. It was yeah, wow. just, um, yeah. It, it, uh, I had a quote, I can't remember if I said the quote, but it's here in my notes about the Titanic. It was said, not even God himself could sink this ship. Mm. And so the sense like that was Babylon, it was seen as this mm. world power. He like just couldn't imagine it falling mm. at that time. Yeah. And so, yeah, what it does is it really, I guess, challenges what we see is world power mm. and yeah, these human empires that just seem just utterly indestructible mm. actually can fall. And yeah. like I said before, it's it's interesting the language that's like used in jeremiah fifty fifty one you've got like, yeah, the, I'm just reading out random here. It's like the noise of the battles in the land, the noise of great destruction. how broken and shattered is the of the whole world. How desolate is Babylon amongst the nations? like it's really like quite, yeah like if you thought it's going to happen, literally you think the city is going to be like just annihilated. Mm. so. Like, yeah, so it's just this interesting way of how Old Testament authors sometimes write using like a lot mm. of hyperbole to, um, yeah, describe these different events.
0: So. so I think like one thing that intrigues me in all of that is. At points in scripture, the Euphrates is seen as this powerful sort of representation of judgment from, you know, the north Mm. kind of coming down. And then suddenly for Babylon, the Euphrates is maybe seen as this, you know, powerful prosperity Mm. and protection. Mm. So there's kind of some some sort of dual things going on there. And this idea of the Euphrates, it's sort of used again in Revelation itself when, Mm. you know, the curses come and... The you know Euphrates turns to blood, yes. and we see this again. This this idea within scripture, um, not just in Jeremiah, of the Euphrates being intrinsically tied with Babylon. Yeah. It's sort of one and the same, yeah. in the same way that I don't know maybe. The Georges River? No, I don't know. <laughs> if, if I'm just thinking of growing up in Picnic yeah, Point. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, this idea, maybe the Darling Harbour, mm. that'd be, that would be a much better yeah, comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Sydney Harbour, if, you know, you're talking about the Darling Harbour, that's just intrinsically linked with the city of Sydney. Yep. Um, and when we so- sort of start to understand this connection, yeah. uh, it's really interesting. In all of this, right. I, I just wanted to quickly say it's kind of fascinating how when we think about Babylon, I think that I can view it as a very two-dimensional place. And when you start talking about the richness and the beauty of the city, when you start talking mm. about, you know, the hanging gardens of Babylon, when you start talking about the beauty of the city itself, it sort of starts to, for me, bring up some questions of um, what, what would have this city been viewed Mm. and you kind of brought up this question at the end I'm kind of jumping yeah. to the end but we'll, get, we'll go back to the other things but you kind of brought up this idea we all have a city we lust for mm. a personal Babylon we cling on to um, a Babylon that seems impenetrable or impregnable mm. um, it makes me really think about the way in which we view cities today and the way mm. in which if a city is beautiful <laughs> we can almost sort of forgive a lot of its moral indiscrepan- yep. indiscrepancies. Mm. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? How do we mm. use this idea of a be- what would have been yeah. a beautiful, stunning, mm. powerful city and the way that we view powerful cities today, which maybe are still quite corrupt mm. and fallen?
1: Yeah. Um, so that analogy I was drawing off of what city was based off, Riff and straight off Revelation you Yeah, the two cities, Babylon and the New Jerusalem And so, yeah I, I guess for us, we I guess as humans, we want our cities No matter how corrupt they are, to flourish Like mm. the countries we want, we want them yeah. to, to flourish and do well And so, yeah, it's an interesting point you make When the city's beautiful, we overlook Corruption. Mm. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it that way. So yeah. I think it more just from like a biblical point of view, of like yeah. throwing all your lot in with
0: Babylon. Yeah, so, yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I had a very interesting point, which i I'm totally sorry. forgotten. No, that's no, that's no, no, that's no, 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 no. But um, yeah, I think for me, like looking at, like I was using the city as a bit of an analogy for an empire. Mm. And for me, like looking at particularly let's say, like, the Western world. Mm. This is what I was really thinking about when I was writing this sermon, is that we are seeing the demise of the West Mm. um, as the superpower. Like, 200 years ago, Britain Mm. ruled the world. Yeah. Like, even... then, America kind of took over. The West continued. (laughs) Yeah, and after World War II, it really was America pushing that. And so, yeah, there's some... You, like one of the things that's very dangerous to do is go into YouTube like um comment section, mm. and I was um watching some political stuff, which is always a bit dangerous. <laughs> and like people are commenting on like you know God bless America, God will never let America fall, mm. America will last forever because, mm. and it was it's like, actually like no, like that's not what Scripture yeah. tells us. Yeah. Scripture shows that empires rise and fall. Only the city of God lasts forever, mm. and. Yeah, like even something that you could say that, well, the Puritans really started America. Like even something that was started by Christians, that's not going to last mm. forever. Mm. Um, yeah, and everything falls under God's judgment. Mm. So I have remember too is that there's nothing, no such thing as like even the Israelites, mm. like they fell under judgment. There's mm. a quote, which I'd forgotten I said, but you mentioned, rem- made me reminder, God. Is a covenantal God, not a territorial mm. God. The idea being is that God just doesn't, he's not just the God of the Israelites. And so he doesn't just go, oh, well, because you're the Israelites, I'll always like, I'll overlook. Yeah. It's bad. No, he made a covenant and covenants have an agreement. And if you breach that yeah. agreement, there's going to be punishment. It goes and two they're, ways. yeah, and, and expanding it too, because God is covenantal, he's also made, I guess you could say, a covenant with the whole world, that mm-hmm. the whole world falls under his covenant. Um, creation and his judgment he's creator and judge mm. Mm. and so yeah god will eventually punish nations whether it's in this lifetime or mm. the next and mm. i read a with this whole stuff around the voice i read a really interesting article why well, I don't i can't remember the guy's name it was through christianity today he just said something uh, it's the only thing i remember he said he goes god will sometimes punish later generations for the sins mm. of the past and sure. that's what we see with the exile there's yeah. um there was, is it both Ezekiel and Jeremiah quote this proverb, the parents have eaten the sour grapes and the mm. children's teeth are set on edge. Mm. And so what that little proverb means is the parents are the ones that have done the wrong mm. and we're the ones, you know, teeth are grinding. We're the ones that yeah. are like paying for it. Mm. And so, yeah, it's just an interesting kind of way how God, how God, God's judgment work, how God's sort mm. of timing is. And yeah. Yeah, we, we, I think as Westerners, I'm very guilty of this. I have a very personal view of sin. This is my sin, or that's their sin. It's not my problem. The Bible yeah, shows yeah, it's yeah. a collective yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. Sin is idea. Sin communal. And so, yeah, going back to the idea of the city is that, yeah, there's sometimes God will judge a whole city or a whole mm. nation. And, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, I probably take the view more that God's punished, probably more in the next lifetime than like I know when the bushfires are on a number of Christians like oh this is God's judgment for Mm. I think it might have been same-sex marriage at that point or Mm. whenever there's a natural disaster this is God's judgment and Mm. I don't like going down that route but I more see well in the next lifetime Mm. Jesus certainly Mm. Jesus came in this time and space Mm. as the one who turned the other cheek but Mm. as Revelation depicts in quite a Symbolic way, he's got a mm. sword coming out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Riding a white horse, and it's like mm, mm. that's a that's a symbol of judgment. He mm. came to save the world from its sins. Mm. First time around, but second time around, he comes as mm. the judge to yeah bring order back. Mm. So, yeah, it's a, un- it's a lot to a <laughs> lot yeah. unpack. There,
0: I think yeah. one one thing I'd like to. Um, yeah, just pick your brain on. Mm. Um I think that um I would stand by the statement that patriotism isn't a bad thing, but mm. nationalism yeah. <laughs> is. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, it's there's nothing wrong with being proud of the no. place where you live and, you know, wanting to invest in it and well, a little bit like the passage you read. In for sure. Like the
1: yeah see the prosperity of this
0: for sure so you know we're not we're not saying that um, we need to constantly be negative in the way that we view the place that we live and and only see it as a corrupt fallen sort of place that cannot be redeemed in any small way Um, but at the same time this nationalism this idea that you're talking Mm -hmm. about of you know like God will never let insert country fall regardless of what they do and say what would you sort of say is the remedy for that sort of balance? Yeah,
1: um, for nationalism. Eh? From a Christian point of view, it's recognizing we are the new humanity. Mm. Like Paul talks about, there's no Jew or Greek, slave yeah. or free, male or female. And he's not saying that suddenly I'm not a man or you're not a woman. What mm. he's saying is that under Jesus, those distinctions are not, mm. we're not lumped into tribal groups, mm. there's no superiority and particularly in Ephesians he, um, Paul talks about the dividing wall he's broken down because yeah. like the Jews had that and that's why Jesus got so angry with when he cleansed the temple was yeah, yeah. they weren't allowing the Jew, the Gentiles to worship yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. their space he's like hey this is for all nations and so yeah, yeah through Jesus there's a new humanity a, a new Israel so mm. to speak he picked mm. 12 disciples that's very deliberate you know 12 yeah. new tribes that yeah and he sent out 70 people, just like 70 nations in Genesis. Uh, There's this whole language of like a new humanity. And so for me, that's actually submitting to that and recognizing, okay, like as an Aussie, I'm gonna have cultural and worldview values that are gonna be different from a Chinese Christian or a South American Christian. But for me, um, I can't think that God's gonna bless my nationalism thinking that white people are superior because mm. yeah. it's actually, no, like, that's what Paul, yeah, really... I don't know if nationalism was a big issue in the churches, but certainly, like, the idea of the Jewish markers, like, yeah. having to be circumcised, that's why he's so angry at yeah. it, in Galatians. was like, well, no, like, mm. you
0: know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah Under yeah.
1: under Christ, Christ has set you free from the burdens of the law. Yeah. And so, yeah, that would be my advice. That is actually, yeah, it, sometimes it is said than done. And so not so not you sure should really struggle with nationalism, but mm. but you can see how it happened. It happened with um the time of Dietrich Bonhoeffer the sure. Lutheran pastor. Like yeah. as the church there thought Hitler was the next messiah to bring Germany out of its woes, it can be easy to kind of get swept up in things. Mm. And yeah, so sitting humbly in that and recognizing, well, we're actually citizens using Paul's words citizens of heaven, yeah, not of this. Yeah. Yeah. No, this earth. Like, yes, we, you and I, have Australian passports yeah, and birth certificates. Yeah, yeah. yeah we can still go for the Matildas. Like, yeah, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. but, but ultimately, for us, that's yeah. not. Jesus doesn't love us or bless us because of that. That's not because of our Australian yeah. heritage. It's because of what he's done on the cross and no. that we're part of his new family. So, yeah. And look, obviously, it must be an issue with the church. I feel like it's something that's come up throughout church history, like mm. different groups and different yeah. nationalities think that they're superior. Yeah. Superior. Um, it's Way off topic. But I remember reading a book um, called Every Tribe and Race. And it was, I think it was written in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And obviously it was written in a time when America, where the race relations were really like tense because mm-hmm. he was really hammering on about how the curse on Ham Wasn't against black people, yeah. Like and it was the whole book was about how like different black people throughout Scripture actually had quite a pivotal role. Like he talks about the Cushites, and Mm. Moses's wife was probably dark-skinned, and just yeah, so showing that like Mm. biblical characters weren't white Europeans.
0: Well, it's actually really interesting. It's even like in a world where, um, you know, there's literal casting calls that go out for movies when they're like casting for, a, in inverted commas, like attractive beautiful, like black woman, yeah. that they'll say, oh like a light-skinned black woman, like there's almost yeah. this like huge like undertone of like, yeah, the more light-skinned you are, the more beautiful you are, yeah. the more kind of thing um, and yet the Song of Songs like celebrates yeah, the woman's dark yeah, yeah. skin like your, uh, your yeah. or I think sorry, she says, my skin is lovely, like the curtain in solemn temple you know like celebrating the beauty Mm. of black skin so i think the bible definitely is not (laughs) you know saying that any any one group of people are more beautiful or intelligent or holy than any other
1: and in that same book too he made a really good argument which that when the israelites left egypt it's a mixed multitude And it's actually quite clear there. Like, you kind of read over it. Actually, there's Egyptians there, there's other nations. So, saying like that challenges the perspective of what is an Israelite. Because we can view an Israelite as, particularly the Jews, they view themselves, well, we're descended from Abraham. We are the chosen people. We actually see in the early years in scripture, it's like pretty messy.
0: Well, yeah.
1: You got, yeah, like a obviously Abraham and Sarah from Mesopotamia Babylon yeah then you got like Jacob and I'm not Jacob Isaac and Rebecca but then yeah after Jacob and Leah and Rachel start having their like 12 boys yeah 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 um, Judah sleeps with Tamar Canaanite
0: yeah he was
1: one of the you know people meant for destruction so you got even the tribe of Judah Canaanite mums and you got literally Rahab who is a Canaanite he's part of Jesus yeah. Moabites. And so, yeah, that's what he was arguing is that God calls all people, yeah. all tribes and nations, something it has been there from the beginning. And yeah. so it was really a book against racism. Yeah. Hey, book. I'm trying to think of the author's name. Mm-hmm. Something? I Days? Hayes? Hayes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hayes. Yeah. From every tribe, nation, and yeah, yeah. And so I see here, like, um a, a bit too is that, yeah, while the focus here is on the destruction of. Babylon. It's not because God hated mm. the Babylonians. He hates mm. sin mm. and sin needs yeah. Punishment. And so
0: they totally. would,
1: sure, they're, I'm certain that there was probably if Babylonians had come to faith, God would have allowed them to be part of it. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, I think you kind of made the point, even that Jeremiah uses similar language for the fall of Jerusalem and yes, the fall of yes. Babylon, that like God's not playing favorites yes. here. He has a chosen people through which he's going yeah. to use to bless all nations. Mm. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that one nation is any more loved yeah. <laughs> than, than any other yeah, um, and isn't held yeah. to as yeah. just as high account.
1: Yes, yeah, it's quite interesting. The languages, I've got the verses here, almost identical, like in Jeremiah 6.22, Look, an army is coming from the land of the north, a great nation. And then here mm. in chapter 50, Look, an army is coming from the north, a great nation. And it's like, mm. yeah, really deliberate. Yeah, That whole covenantal versus yeah, yeah, yeah. not being a tribal God coming through.
0: I'd love to just (laughs) chat quickly kind of as we close in our last few minutes about some of the typology that's used because there's some really interesting stuff that comes through in Jeremiah that then infiltrates the New Testament and in particular revelation with Babylon Um, but also um, in Jeremiah 51 you sort of made the point that Nebuchadnezzar is like a serpent or monster of the sea or dragon Mm. Um, now probably would be remiss not to mention that Bible Project have just put out a series I don't know if they're going to put out any more episodes there's already four I think around this sort of Typology: this this figure of the mm. dragon that actually is kind of mentioned in Genesis one these sea monsters yeah. you know that God creates yes. and then obviously goes all the way through to Revelation when there is a more distinctly mm. identified dragon yep. uh, in Revelation seventeen eighteen um, yeah what 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 did you sort of um, see as this Nebuchadnezzar yeah. figure being compared to a dragon
1: so so what the Bible does is um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier is that Babylon represented like all evil empires. Mm. So Tower of Babel, that's, they build, I had a picture of like a very 18th century tower, but the reality is it was all doing a ziggurat, a stairway to heaven. Like, and that's what they, an artificial mountain, the ancients believed that the gods lived on mountains. Mm. So Babel was, they're trying to build a stairway to heaven, Mm. which as you keep reading Genesis, Jacob actually gets a, sees the the real deal. And (laughs) then Jesus tells, um, yeah, Nathaniel, hey, you'll see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Of man. Yeah. Like, he's riffing off that, like talking about he's going yeah. to see the stairway to heaven. Yeah. And so, but Babel represented that from the very beginning. This is the evil empire that opposes God. And you've got, yeah, your rulers like in Nimrod, who are these fearsome, horrible people you yeah. And meant so to. And so, Babylon ending in confusion with the writing on the wall. Kind mm. of, it's a good little kind of, you know, tie yeah. in.
0: Start, started in confusion ends in confusion yeah. and, a, and a language confusion yes. as well yeah Yeah,
1: and so and what the New Testament does particularly the book of Revelation if you read and we mentioned it a bit earlier in chapter um, 16 of Revelation the Euphrates mm-hmm. uh, let me pull it up my computer's being a bit slow yeah, but yeah. yeah the Euphrates is dried up yeah. there's um, these cups of wrath yeah, yeah there's yeah the angel <coughs> Revelation 16 you know pours his anger on the Euphrates the water dries up a number of commentators know this is riffing off what cyrus did Mm -hmm. and so imagery that the ancients would have been familiar with about the fall of the real babylon is used here and so babylon in revelation is represents rome Mm -hmm. so the roman empire is personified as babylon this evil empire that stands that opposes everything Against God, mm. and so in you got that chapter 17 and 18 of the harlot riding the dragon, and mm. yeah, I picked a fairly gnarly picture of a very 80s looking yeah, dragon. Was great. It looks pretty cool, it
0: looks like it belongs on like the like cover of a like Goosebumps <laughs> yeah, book or no. something. I was like, oh, that's
1: a pretty cool way to pick <laughs> the dragon, but um, yeah, it, it's the time ty- riffing off that like that whole image of Nebuchadnezzar being like a serpent or, or a dragon or a sea yeah. monster, these creatures. <coughs> Yeah, and Daniel sees this too. He sees those four beasts yeah. coming out of the ocean because yeah. the o- ocean represents chaos, evil, yeah. where the great sea monsters live. And so it's tying into that, that this empire which seems so lovely and fantastic mm. is in reality this beast that's mm. just come out of the ocean, this this evil personified. And so yeah, even that when this angel picks up a boulder the size of a large millstone and throws it into the sea. Mm. And he, like he riffs off here, Revelation he goes, with such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down never to be found again. Riffing mm. off this Jeremiah language. Mm. this That's what Revelation is really pointing to is that for those who are being persecuted by mm. Rome slash Babylon, mm. this knowledge that well, it's going to fall one day, just yeah. like the real Babylon did. Sure. It fell. Yeah, The exiles were able to go home yeah. under Cyrus and so, for us as Christians living in exile, we mm. will experience that we will go home, i.e., the New Jerusalem. <coughs> but for those Christians that are compromised in Babylon, mm. which is kind of like that question I asked mm. in the sermon about, know, what city mm. are you looking for? It's a warning of like, well, because a lot of those letters, those churches, the only two churches get away without yeah you know, judgment. The two persecuted yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone else is like, yeah, hey, yeah, like yeah. you compromised in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and so. Yeah, and to put it in, I guess, modern language. Um, yeah, for us, it's easy to compromise our face, if you you know, oh, what's the harm of wearing, you know, like a rainbow flag or something like that, like that. And so the equivalent was like that there, you would just offer sacrifices to the God if you're a merchant or a businessman, mm. you would be involved in sort of the pagan practices of the day, because that's what everyone did. Mm. And so you could make lots of money from being involved in the normal everyday practices of yeah. home. And what yeah Book of Revelation is challenges. So if you do that you're actually compromising and aligning yourself with the dragon, with yeah. Satan himself. Yeah. Through yeah, the harlot and the beast. And yeah, and just like the real Babylon, it will be sunk one day. Yeah. What's gonna happen to you? Will you enter into the new Jerusalem mm. or will you be like Babylon that gets sunk into a sea? Yeah. And so, yeah, so it's great. So, actually, it's funny, like, the more you study Old Testament, more that you realize how much, Man. like, the book of Revelation just is yeah. riffing off the old Yeah, yeah. So much.
0: totally. Yes. Yeah, so much stuff, especially from the, the three major prophets, yeah. kind of, that, yeah. John the Elder is is riffing on in yeah. Revelation. You start like, to realize, whoa, it's just <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> playing like... off all everything that's been set up. Like Revelation is not to diminish it, but almost like this punchline of this massive setup. You know, well, of all yeah. this imagery and
1: well, I guess it's the final revelation. Yeah, and, and so in a sense, it's going to build upon the whole canon of yeah. the Hebrew scriptures. Yeah, and like yeah, lead us to that, mm. but really revealing it through the eyes of mm. Jesus who comes. With the, the new Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it's interesting with um, how the book of Jeremiah ends. Jeremiah, so yeah, it ends with Sarai throwing the, the scroll into the Euphrates. But then the final, final chapter is um, actually recounts the fall of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. But um, at the end of it, and it's in the same same here with two kings. Pretty much like it's identical. To the end of two kings. Mm. We're told here, Jehoiachin is released. So Jehoiachin. This is where I guess confusing. He mm-hmm. was the king that was taken into Babylon the first time around in mm-hmm. five ninety seven, and Jehoiachin actually is released and he's allowed to sit with Aul Marduk. He's sort of the second king after Nebuchadnezzar, mm-hmm. and he speaks kindly to him, given a seat of honor. And so, yeah. It talks about how Jehoiachin was given an allowance till the day he died, and so there's a sense of like hope that okay, if Jehoiachin is being treated well, Mm. and he's the son of David, Mm. well that means that one day another son of David's going to sit. There's going to Jerusalem will be rebuilt, which Jeremiah talks about, Mm. and so there's that sense too of like even at the lowest of the low, it's God's promise that He's going to throw down, Babylon will be destroyed. Mm there's always a glimmer of hope and for us yeah we can see that yeah shoot coming from the (laughs) The stump of jesse
0: (laughs) i yeah i think that there's so much for us to think about living in a city that is prosperous and a city which in so many ways um yeah isn't godly um even just with your you know sort of comments around sacrificing to foreign idols you know obviously not, not something that probably most of us are sort of being faced with, but I even sort of think of like what kind of stocks we're buying and shares we're investing in, like, are we investing in companies which are corrupt and, Mm. you know, taking advantage of, you know, other humans and the planet and not very ethical in the way that they do things. Um, Yeah. Constantly thinking about in a city and nation where let's be real, like we live in a prosperous Mm. Godless society, maybe not completely godless in the way that there's not a single person, (laughs) Um, but as far as the culture and the worldview and the values are not aligned Mm -hmm. with God and not aligned with the Bible, how do we move in that space Mm -hmm. and where do we align our our loyalties with? Mm -hmm. Are we Australians first and Christians second, or are we ultimately people of Christ who are living in a place who... Want to ultimately be shining Jesus mm. even in moments of darkness, yeah.
1: and that's I think really helpful. That exile language, yeah. The apostle Peter he talks about them being foreigners or exile sojourners, yeah, and yeah, keeping that mindset. and Exile is someone who is not rooted to a place, mm. and in like in, the, we'll talk about this next tomorrow when yeah, we yeah, record yeah. About, about last Sunday about yeah. yeah, the 70 years, like, yeah, yeah. sure, at that time. Invest in the city, see the well-being God wants. Yeah, but also in back at, in your yeah. mind, like, hey, you're just an exile. You are only here for 70 years. So, yeah. some of you, this will be your lifetime. Yeah, but for your kids, they aren't going to be living here. Like they're going yeah. back
0: to Jerusalem. So there's a hope. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And there's a hope for another episode of banter this week. Yeah, yeah. yes. Now back you can, in the swing. Of you, can, you can binge your banter this week. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, looking forward to another chat tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Yeah.